Welcome to I Feel Snitty, episode 234, entitled Maggots Here, Maggots There, Maggots Every Flipping Where. I'm your host, Craig Rosnecki. Since the world's richest man and the world's poorest cage match fighter, Elon Musk, took over, Twitter has been a clusterfuck. The site has gone from rather smooth flow of traffic to a seemingly constant car crash. It's awful to witness, even worse to be a part of, yet one can't help but watch. One of the numerous chaotic decisions the aforementioned cage match loser came up with was Twitter Blue. With this feature, Musk decided to do away with the legacy blue check marks, which were given to well-known individuals in order to verify their accounts as legitimate. In conjunction with that, he provided the option for anyone to spend $8 per month to see a fancy blue check mark next to their name. Anyone could do it. Tom Brady, Stephen King, the lone barber in a town of 56, you, me, anybody. I was long reluctant on signing up for Twitter Blue. If I were to receive a blue check mark by my name, I wanted it to be earned, not to be paid for, and by me, no less. Things finally reached a low point on the platform for me, though, and I was told that there would be more to Twitter Blue than just a luxurious blue check mark. I had roughly 124,000 followers at the time, and while I wasn't very active on the site for a while, upon Elon taking over, it still seems rather pathetic for my post to have only generated 100,000 impressions per month. So when reading about the additional features on Twitter Blue, one listing caught my attention. That your tweets will be placed at the top of listings on the site, which would thereby generate more traffic on your page. At this mission, I finally decided to give in. Have I noticed any difference? Has it been worth $8 every month? I'd say if you're just a casual user, then no. But if you're active, and especially if you're attempting to garner more recognition for whatever reason, then yes. I've gone from 100,000 impressions per month to 200,000 impressions per day, or 5 million per month. To be completely honest, the, ex the exponential increase in activity has gotten overwhelming at times, but I'm still glad I made the change. What I've noticed more than anything since subscribing to Twitter Blue is how much more active Trump supporters are on this site than I had previously realized. They're freaking everywhere. I can post a tweet about how nice the weather is in central Ohio, and it's all but guaranteed at least one maggot will respond with something like, Global warming is a hoax. Or, Biden can't take the heat. Or, your mom. I've actually enjoyed messing with Trumpers, because... It's helped reinforce the notion that maggots do exist, they're dangerous, and they're fucking idiots. I'd like to now share with you some of my observations of Trumpanzies while being a member of Twitter Blue. 1. Brokeback Hunter They just can't quit Hunter Biden. He is like their Chelsea Clinton of Barack Obama's, the child of a president around whom they can surround any conspiracy theory. A plane crash? Hunter Biden was playing... ATC HAF, or air traffic controller, high as fuck. A death at a hospital. Hunter Biden injected them with a COVID vaccine. Hillary Clinton laughed. She heard a Hunter Biden joke. Apparently, Republicans don't believe in the sun, for Hunter Biden is the bright star around which their lives revolve. 2. Repulsive Obsessive Perversion Any more, approximately one out of every two tweets posted by Republicans concerns children's genitals. That is not a joke. Apparently to the GOP, 
the LGBT community is solely about the sex. When they hear about a gay couple, they only think about penises going into anuses. When they read about a lesbian couple, they only think about the porn they used to watch all those seconds ago. When they so much as catch a glimpse of anything regarding transgenders, they mistake them for drag queens and are somehow certain they're all pedophiles trying to turn our kids into the opposite sex. I don't care what the orientation is of a friend or family member of mine, I'm not going to be thinking about them having sex. No offense. Sexuality is an innate attraction to a particular gender or genders. It's not equivalent to fucking, rim jobs, or a position I'm just going to make up right now called the walrus plop. When a person tells me they're straight, I don't immediately go and think about their nether region. I'm sure it's lovely and all, but no thank you. So if a person can hear about a heterosexual's orientation and not think about sex, I'm sure GOPers can hear about a gay man, lesbian woman, bisexual, identical twin, or transgender, and not think about it either. When it comes to transgenderism, conservatives seem hell-bent on the notion that kids as young as four are undergoing sex change operations. This is not happening. And anyone who says otherwise doesn't know their penis from their pancreas. Gender reassignment surgery is incredibly rare in general, let alone for people in the 17 to 18 age range. And it's next to non-existent for those under 17. So stand back for a moment and cringe along with me while I tell you this. Republicans have made up a non-existent problem over which to obsess. What is said obsession? Cutting off children's genitals. How sick is that? I mean, it'd be one thing to delusionally obsess over a planet by the name of Jethro. It's quite another to spend seemingly every winning moment thinking about cutting off children's genitals. That's just weird, gross, and wrong. Number three, don't like it? Edit. Maggots are terrible debaters. For one, the truth is never on their side, so they're playing from behind from the outset. Here are some of their most famous debate tactics. Projection. Oh, like their master Trump, they love this one. Every accusation is a, conf is a confession. Their day, I say, thought process is, I snort fun dip. So they blurt out, fun dip sniffer. Observe nothingness. Just look around you, bro. Okay, I have a five-year-old son, so I see a few dinosaur toys, matchbox cars, crayons, and a slinky. What's your point, bro? Paranoia. Of course, when you counter them with facts from reputable sources, their reaction is typically something along the lines of, Facts are liberally biased. Facts, fact checkers, and fact fuckers are all out to get me. Sure. Um, that's satire. I'll oftentimes see Trumpers post Onion articles as facts. When I point out that the fact that the Onion is satire, I garner the suspicion that you've got a deer-in-the-headlights look to them, as they look up the word satire and then Google satire for dummies before giving up and calling me an onion. Photo stupid. If there's a picture of it, it has to be true, right? Yeah, it's just like when I photoshopped myself between Sofia Vergara and Halle Berry on a bed in room 69 of the Bellagio. That was most definitely an accurate depiction of what had taken place that imaginary day. 4. Cancel everything. When it comes to cancel culture, Republicans sure are the mega-hypocrites. 
They like to whine Democrats are at the forefront of this supposed cancel culture. Yet they boycotted Bud Light, Starbucks, Miller Lite, the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, Hamilton, PBS, The Washington Post, The New York Times, Target, Walmart, Chick-fil-A, Netflix, Amazon, Apple, food, water, air, books, sex on days ending in Y. You name it, they try to cancel it. Now, if we could only get the NRA to partner with the LGBT community, perhaps they could boycott guns. 5. Lord Trump Magus truly believe Donald Trump is Jesus. I'm not kidding. Like Jesus, they feel Trump is the only one who can save this country. Like Jesus, they believe Trump is perfect. Hell, when Trump was first indicted, many of his followers contended the scenario was similar to Jesus' crucifixion. Look, I don't care if you're a diehard atheist or a far right-wing Christian. If you actually read the Bible, Jesus may have been a lot of things, but he wasn't a hush money paying, business record falsifying, porn star named Stormy fucking guy. The only way Donald Trump is the savior is if we're all unaware participants in a Mel Brooks film. The Blazing Saddles director is God, and he's laughing his little tuchus off right now. And that's it for today's episode. Until next time, you can find me on Amazon, Podbean, Twitter, Facebook, Blogger, and YouTube. This has been I Feel Snitty with Craig Rosnicki. Take care.